Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 115. Welcome to day number 774 of my pandemic quarantine, 774 days. My God, isn't that crazy? You'd think it'd be over now. It was almost over a couple times. I thought about it being over. Sometimes I want it to be over and I just think I'm going to declare it over, but then I like get my shit together. It's pretty intense, man. Uh, Last Saturday was my wife's birthday and to celebrate her birthday, she went to Raleigh to get a haircut. And that went well. Uh, She wore her mask and the hairstylist wore her mask and she was there for three hours getting a very complicated hair thing done. And then she decided to go see some friends of ours for dinner outdoors, mostly, but a little bit indoors. And uh, it turned out that the whole family got COVID. Uh, They told us two days later and she did go inside and she sat right next to both kids (laughs) at dinner. So she decided she was going to quarantine. So she did. Uh, you know, for the next three days, Sunday night to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four days, um, Janet was watching Jane on Sunday night, so I didn't have to deal with that. So from Monday morning to Thursday morning, I had to watch Jane all by myself, uh, four nights, wait, three nights, three nights, uh, every breakfast, every lunch, every dinner, everything, no other human contact except for my daughter. Because, you know, in those two days before, between, we had all talked to each other and seen each other and Jane had gone to Grammys and we all really had to like pretty much separate from each other. Um, and somebody had to take Jane. So I took Jane because Janet is, you know, a little bit more at risk and Emma was the vector. <laughs> it had been the weekend. We had been mostly outside. I had been mostly gardening. So it wasn't, you know, I wasn't that worried at all. Um it was kind of annoying and you know it wasn't hard there was one tantrum on day two i had to go to the grocery store to get emma some more supplies to she's holed up in the guest bedroom and um because that's the only room with a separate bathroom and uh jane threw a giant fit that one day but other than that it was fine it was fine it wasn't hard it just took a lot out of me i'm not gonna lie man i'm still recovering i'm sick (laughs) which is not, you know, super awesome, given that we had this quarantine COVID scare. But, I mean, Emma's been testing every day. I've been testing every day. Emma went and got a PCR test yesterday. They're all negative. We're five, six six days removed from the incident. Emma's still wearing a mask around the house, which is probably a little bit excessive, but, you know, whatever. I don't care if she wants to do it. It makes sense. I think it's better safe than sorry, right? I wouldn't want to do it, but... But, uh... You know, I and I test every day, and I'm just like, but I just feel like ass. I have a headache. I have like, I have like, nothing in the chest. No fever. Like, a, like a cramp down my spine. Honestly, it's like PMS. I probably have like male PMS or something going on. It's just I feel like ass. I feel like ass. I spent three days with no company except for this child, and she was great. I really love my daughter, but my God, it really. It really messes you up. And then I go into this whole spiral. I'm like, you only did three days, man. Single parents got to do this all the time. I'm like, well, do they though? Like, you know, most of them have help in some way. Like the kid goes to school or a daycare. Or they have a babysitter or something. And then you're like, you're just being privileged. Like, you know, some people are so, you know, 
they, they can't afford those things. And I'm like, well, we got school, so that like, reduces it to summers and under five. I don't know. I go on this whole complex thing berating myself for feeling bad about this and exhausted instead of just doing simply what I should do, which is acknowledge that it's very challenging and exhausting to take care of a kid by yourself and feel immense sympathy for everyone else. I do that, but on top of that, I have to berate myself for thinking it's hard, but it is hard, you know? And then there's a whole other thing because like years ago I said, raising a kid isn't that hard. And you know, like I stand by what I meant at the moment in the context of what I was talking about, which was like, it's, you know, distinguishing between difficult and, you know, exhausting right raising a kid is exhausting and it's work but it's not hard work and it's not you know like whatever i <laughs> even now i feel bad about it i was trying to make a point with the distinction between you know intense labor and difficult in terms of mentally challenging or hard like complex right and in the context of when i first originally said it it was broadly true I was making a point you know and even now I feel that way in the sense that like that was exhausting and it was unpleasant but it wasn't hard in the sense that like I didn't know what I was doing or it was complex or like any individual moment had an insurmountable challenge or I had to put spend extraordinary amounts of effort none of those things were the case but anyway I got a lot of shit for it when I said this like a decade plus ago and I still feel guilty about it now that I'm a parent even though I still know I was making an interesting valid point of course, the word hard means both things and something that is long and tedious and painful and exhausting is also hard. It doesn't just have to be complex or challenging mentally. So now because I just did this, I'm like, I have all this guilt wrapped up in the whole thing. The whole thing is just giant mess and I feel like ass and it's really unpleasant. And I think I'll be better today. We have today off. As soon as I'm getting this podcast done, I'm going outside into the garden. I'm going to plant the last of my plants. I'm very excited. And then the garden will run itself, <laughs> which is good or bad, right? Like the gardening clearly like improves my mental health, <laughs> but because I've spent so much time on the drip irrigation this year, I don't actually have to go out there every week, every day. And so I don't know, but I mean, there's always stuff to do on the weekends. It should be fine. I got to fertilize every other weekend, of course. And yeah. And in any case, it's a moot point because I got plenty to do for this weekend. So yeah, Whew. man, I tell you. It's been a lot. Two weeks ago, right after the podcast, uh, we went to Raleigh again, or it was the first time, and I went, and we went and saw the magnetic fields at the Fletcher Opera House. Uh, we have several friends on the tour. Uh, my old friend Chris Ewan is in the band. He used to be in the magnetic fields. He's in uh, Future Bible Heroes with Stephen Merritt, and then he's been back touring with magnetic fields these last couple albums. So it's good to see him. I haven't seen him through the whole pandemic. And early in the pandemic, he was, you know, he's been DJing on Twitch live streams. And for the first year of the pandemic, I would attend every one of them every Friday night with my friends on Zoom. And we would have a little party on Zoom while listening to Chris. And he really helped us get through the pandemic. And it was really, 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 really good to see him. And then the sound guy is uh, Y-Mike, who is an old friend of mine. He used to run sound at the Middle East in Boston, moved to New Jersey. Great guy. Did sound for our band sometimes, you know, he was the best at it, but we didn't get him as often as we like. But anyway, we stayed friends this whole time. He's been to Alaska, he's visited my parents, <laughs> and he's doing sound for the magnetic fields on this tour. And so it was really great to see him. By coincidence, the seats Em and I bought were the best seats. They weren't coincidence on the fact that they're the best seats in the house for in terms of being safe from a pandemic. I bought the most remote seats I could, but 
by coincidence, they were also exactly right next to the soundboard. So we got to sit with YMic for the show, which was awesome. Uh, backstage at shows during pandemic is really awkward. Everybody's wearing masks, but not everyone. But like people don't know what to talk about. And you got these masks on. It's just really uncomfortable. Uh, but it was good to see everybody. <laughs> Uh, and it was really nice. And then there was this goth club, like a like ten minute walk away, and I really wanted to go. And Emma wanted to go, but we, you know, we we we've been following this goth club for ages, and we're like, we should really go, you know. And then we tried to get Chris and Steven to go, and they were, you know, like non-committal, and we were like, well, we do have to get home, and so we didn't go. We drove by it, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, I want to go to that goth club so bad, but uh, sadly, we didn't do it. <laughs> Uh, the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services has changed updating their COVID dashboard from every day, which I have been monitoring and writing down and evaluating the stats every day to every week. And, uh, you know, they did it, quote, as we enter the next phase of the pandemic, unquote, about three weeks ago. But of course, since then, things have just gotten shitty and you can't tell from the dashboard. So yesterday they finally updated it. They updated it on Thursday mornings. Well, they updated on Wednesday, but I check in the morning, so Thursday for me. And in the intervening week, the positivity rate in the state had tripled from 2-point-something percent to 7.9 percent. And, uh, you know, the data when they updated is already five days late. They don't update it to that day. I don't know why. They just left that out of their news when they changed the update. Also, they've removed the verbiage from the site that says, as we enter the next stage of the pandemic. I thought that was really great. So anyway, by the time, you know, Emma went to this hair appointment, like, it, had we had known, like, the positivity rate had already doubled at that point, but we had no idea. And it's just bullshit, you know? Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, we are still making these stupid-ass mistakes, and it's driving me crazy, never mind the... uh 33-year-old judge appointed by a lame duck Trump that was rated not qualified by the American Bar Association that decided to pick one of multiple definitions of the word sanitation. That's her justification for overthrowing the mask mandate and travel because in her mind, a word can only have one definition, not two, which is just absurd. That's literally the basis of her judgment. It's fucking insane. Anyway, it's all bumming me out, but... I kind of threw the dice and made a wager that talking to you guys right now would make me feel better. And it is. So that's nice. It's the weekend. It's beautiful outside. I'm going to do gardening. My daughter's at Grammy's house. I don't have to deal with her. Um, I'm going to ask Emma if I can have one more night off. Right. Grammy took her last night. Emma can take her tonight. Then we'll go back to alternating. It was three nights. I was really, really exhausted. It was hard. <laughs> the wave of embarrassment and guilt that just flushed over me as I used the word hard without thinking in the in relation to parenting after the the great parenting is hard debacle of 2004 or whatever the fuck it was oh god I gotta get over that uh, <laughs> anyway I feel better thank you guys you're just sitting there listening and you're probably not you know you think I'm whatever you probably think I'm crazy but it's making me feel better so I'm deeply thankful for that uh, health my diet, I'm still on the Wagovi. I'm on the 0.5. I got three more weeks on it before I go up to the one. I had a new low weight this week, which was very exciting, which was 34 pounds down. So I've lost 34 pounds on this diet. I would like to lose another 10. Would be good. Would that be good? Uh, no, nah, I'd like to lose another 20. Yeah. Uh, but in another eight pounds, I will be back down to my pre-pandemic weight. The weight I, I randomly weighed myself like March 2nd, 
2020 and uh i got eight more pounds to go before that and i've lost all the pandemic weight that is a significant accomplishment given that i gained like 40 pounds during the first year of the pandemic <laughs> oh my god how crazy is that i went to my doctor i think i told you this already but like i looked at the chart it was just like up down up down and she was like wow <laughs> yeah you can have this drug <laughs> i'm like yeah i thought so and i'm still not taking any nicotine which is very exciting i'm still too addicted to these Icebreakers mints, but it worked. I have no nicotine in my system for like six months now, which for me, you know, I'm I'll be fifty in two weeks. And that's the longest I've gone from nicotine in twenty six years. So yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Uh Jane is good. Uh she's had, you know, one or two little bad fits. She had a really, really bad one. I think it was oh, I think my name and since we last talked it was just very very hard night two hours of, yeah it was the night that emma went to raleigh actually that's right and jane didn't care she was in raleigh all the part of the evening that i did alone that emma's usually there like dinner and her nightly walk she was great for and then we go upstairs for daddy bedtime and it's supposed to be daddy bedtime anyway that night so it wasn't like out of schedule and she was fine for a little bit and then she just lost it and then she just cried insisting i turned back the clock for like two hours and it was the worst hardest bedtime we've had in like a year and you know it was exhausting but i was thinking after i got emma got home and we were downstairs i was like you know two years ago that would have broken me <laughs> and i was thinking how much her bad bedtimes used to affect me early in the pandemic and how crazy i was going but this one i was like well this sucks but whatever and i just kind of got over it so i guess that's progress also they're so rare now you know that tantrum and then two days ago a tantrum for like 20 minutes when we were you know, because I helped her put her hood on, on her hoodie before we went to the store. She was not having it. And, uh, that's it for two weeks. Those are only really bad tantrums under my watch, but my watch was the bulk of it for the last two weeks. So yeah, she's good. She's good. She's drawing a lot. She's writing a lot. She likes that. She was texting mommy a lot from my phone when mom was in quarantine. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, She's pretty solid. She's mostly potty trained. She did have one accident. She had pooped three times one day. That was weird. And the third time she messed up and pooped in her nighttime undies. She knew they were night. She knows nighttime undies are diapers and she's allowed to poop in them. She pooped twice already. So I thought it was safe. But other than that, you know, that's the first time she pooped in her diaper in a month. So, you know, it's late, but she's finally mostly 95% potty trained. That's that's something. Yeah, she's great. I mean, it was really exhausting, but I really enjoyed all my time with her. It was fun and exhausting. Uh, yeah, gardening's going great. I, uh, you know, I was thinking, I don't have much this weekend. I got to plant the peppers and the basil, transplant those. I want to plant some flower seeds, and then I got to irrigate this one birdie's bed, and that's it. It should take like two, three hours. Do some garden organizing. I've been organizing everything. I got a cabinet coming. I got everything out of the garage during the sterilite bins. And then I'm going to get this garden, this outdoor shed cabinet thing, put it all in there because it was just taking up like half the garage. And, and I don't garden near the garage. So every time I had to like haul stuff down, it was just annoying. So that's back ordered. It'll be here in like a month. <laughs> but everything's in bins outside. So that, that helps. Um, I get a little bit more of that stuff organized. But by and large, I'm. It's going to be on autopilot soon, which is crazy because I've been working so hard every weekend on it for like three or four months already because I had to you know, b build all the birdies beds, fill them with soil, build the soil, get the mulch on them, uh, irrigate, drip irrigation, drill tunnels under concrete sidewalks, build a hoop house, cover the hoop house and netting, shovel out this gravel, re-like, do the dirt, till the dirt, till the soil, all this stuff. 
And every weekend it's been like, oh my God, I have so much to do. I'm going to die. I'm not going to get it all done this weekend for like 10, 10 or 12 weeks now. But now I'm like, eh, I got a couple hours of work and then I'm good. The garden's going to go. It's just going to go. It's crazy. It's very exciting. You know, and Emma's like, you're spending so much money on this. You're working so hard. How can this possibly be worth it? And I'm like, well, once it's set up, you know, and a lot of the stuff I'm doing is set up for years. Like those birdies beds have a 10 year guarantee. The hoop house is going to last forever. Like, you know, I did so much infrastructural work that every year will pay dividends. The irrigation, I don't have to build that ever again. I won't have the water ever again. It's the irrigation just works. That's huge. Um, so in the dirt, I had to spend, you know, dirt wasn't that bad this year cause I got it delivered by truck. So it was like 200 bucks for four cubic yards of 50, 50 dirt compost mix. But all the, you know, all the amendments, the vermiculite, the blood meal, the, the worm castings, the perlite, the crab and lobster, I mean, that stuff, it was hundreds and hundreds of dollars on that stuff, getting all the soil built, <laughs> but it's built. It will still be built forever now because I, I, put you know I, I overwinter my beds with greens in them i'll be adding new stuff on the top each year compost like the beds are built they're gonna last forever it's it, next year my total expense will be like a couple bags of soil to top things off with my compost and then the seeds even though most of the seeds i already own you know i bet i don't spend 200 dollars next year i bet i don't spend more than 50 dollars next year on this actually <laughs> famous last words anyway yeah it's going great in terms of other projects, I don't really have that much going on. Good morning, hello, how are you? My daily email and this podcast and the gardening are pretty much my creative outlets these days. Uh, I did get the Apple new new Apple Studio monitor. I'm mostly unimpressed with it. Um, I have three monitors on my main computer. Two of them were already the LG 5K Ultrafines, which is effectively the same thing as this Apple Studio monitor. The Apple Studio monitor supposedly has a much better camera, but it's actually garbage and I don't use it anyway. I have a Logitech Brio. But the third display before was the more than 10 year old Apple Thunderbolt display. And it was very low resolution. So I swapped that out with one of the LGs and I put the Apple Studio monitor in the front. And so effectively the monitor, my main monitor is now a little bit brighter, like a hundred nits brighter, but my left monitor where all my messaging apps and everything are is much, 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 much better. So that is actually a pretty substantial quality of life improvement. I also bought the vase mount version. Uh, oh yeah. Hold on a second. Emma is asking how I am, um, because I'm sick and she was exposed to COVID and it's very hard for us to believe that these COVID like symptoms I have are not COVID, <laughs> but I mean, there've been like 20 tests across the three of us. So what are we supposed to do? I might go get a PCR test later today, actually, just to ease my mind. I need some time to ease my mind. And remember that Arrested Development song? Anyway, I totally lost track of what I was saying. What was I saying? I have to go back and look. Right, I bought the vase mount version, so it's pretty cool. Like, all the space right in front of my desk is empty. There's the keyboard, and there's the monitor, but the monitor's hanging now. So I got this big, wide open space. It's really nice. Uh, the cables are all still a mess because... The old Apple Thunderbolt display was Thunderbolt 1. I don't have a long enough, didn't have a long enough Thunderbolt 3 cable. I had to buy one. I bought the first one. And it was like Amazon lies and it was a USB-C cable and not Thunderbolt compatible. I just got a new one. I haven't really dealt with that yet. So I got to clean up them. the cables still. But once I do that, it should be really nice to have like unobstructed desk underneath my monitors. It'd be pretty, right? be pretty and that'll probably be the last in the office improvement i do until winter because that that sort of thing is a winter project mm, yeah i think that's about it i've been thinking a lot about good morning hello how are you when to end 
volume two of the book, um, This Pandemic Never Ends. Sometimes I think the pandemic's over, but I'm being paranoid and I'm still not going out, but everybody else is, so I should just call it a day and end the volume. Um, but invariably the pandemic bounces back as it is now and everybody starts staying home again, but that hasn't quite happened this time yet. Uh, We'll see. A lot of friends have gotten COVID in the last week or two. A lot of friends with kids in schools are getting the exposure warnings, but other friends are still going out. So it's sort of like a 50, 50 right now, which I think is interesting enough to keep writing, right? Like the readership has definitely changed. The comments have definitely changed over the the last year as this people get sick of the pandemic or or they've, you know, I mean, if I were single and triple vaxxed, I wouldn't be worried half as much about this pandemic or if I was childless, right? Like, you know, we all we're in different situations now. Um, but it does make for interesting things, I think. I don't know. I I felt really done with it this morning. I'm not going to lie. But then I went to Walmart and I came back and I wrote a really good entry about Walmart. (laughs) And last week, I think, was some of the best writing I'd done in it. So I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like soon I might just call it a day. It's very, 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 very hard to write a daily morning email five days a week right when you wake up. It's very satisfying, but it's very difficult. And I don't know if I can keep it up forever. Anyway, moving on. Media. I added a bunch of stuff to Plex. Uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? The, uh, <laughs> what's her name? Uh, Melissa McCarthy. I, I, I loved that film, but I originally watched it because Richard E. Grant is in it, so I keep forgetting her name. Uh, not out on Blu-ray, weirdly, that film. I don't know what's up with that, or at least it's not in Netflix, DVD.com and Blu-ray, so this is just the DVD version. I, I don't know. I got to fi- find an HD version somewhere. Friday Foster, 70s Pam Greer black exploitation film, and two films starring Sarah Polly because I read her book this week, which we'll talk about later, Splice and Mr. Nobody. I've heard great things about both. They're both sci-fi. I haven't seen them. I'd seen most of Sarah Polly's later work, but I hadn't seen those. So I grabbed those. Uh, sold a bunch of stuff on Discogs this week. Uh, mostly vinyl, actually. Well, that's not true. I sold uh, Hate Rocks, Marry Me Tonight on Pink Vinyl from Ghostly. I accidentally had two copies. I, and uh, this is weird. I sold a Haley Bonar album. I really like Haley Bonar. The album's called The Last War. And I, when I sold it, it was not... I didn't know it was for sale. It wasn't in... I have gone through my records or at least a lot of them and pulled out duplicates and they're in a separate section now. And I listed all those duplicates and it wasn't one of those. And I was like, I don't remember putting this listing this. And I looked and I listed it like two years ago. And I was like, well, I guess I had a duplicate. I'll go pull it out and I go pull it out, but I don't have a duplicate. I only have one copy. And I think I just didn't like it. And I got like one random day. I was like annoyed and I maybe, and I just put it up for sale. But then I listened to it. And I'm like, this is a good record. I'm really sad, but I, I felt bad canceling the guy's order. So even though I like the record and I like Haley Bonar, I sold it and I'm sad about that, but I'm going to let it go. I'm doing my best to let it go. I'm trying not to be neurotic about it. I'm going to forget about it. This is the last I'll ever think of it right now. Uh, and then I sold a Bright Eyes EP, three new hit songs on CD. And then <laughs> a funny thing with my friend, Ben Palmer. Ben was my old, old friend and co-founder of the Barbarian Group with me. And we were emailing about something else. And in my email signature, <laughs> I have my Discogs link. And nobody ever clicks on it. But I think it's hilarious that it's there. And Ben was like, that's hilarious. And I was like, buy something. And so he did. He went through my Discogs and he bought a ton of stuff. 
He bought the Halfler Trio, uh, One Dozen Economical Stories by Peter Greenaway. He bought the Brian Eno, John Hopkins, Lou Abrams, Small Craft at a Milk Sea. He bought the KMFDM Thrill Kill Cult Split Single, Naive Days of Swine and Roses. He bought the Swan Single, Celebrity Lifestyle. He bought the Leonard Cohen album, New Skin for an Old Ceremony. He bought the Einsturzen de Neubauten album, Strategies Against Architecture, Volume 2. He bought a, a copy of the 7-inch single for my old band, Rockets Burst of the Street Lamp. The Cartographer is a single. He bought Britney Spears's album Britney, and he bought uh, the vinyl copy of Coil's music to play in the dark because I accidentally bought that record three times. <laughs> and he was we were talking about it. I was like, "Thank you for that." And I shipped it off to him in two packages, and he was like, "I was trying to figure out how far along you are in this, and I, I'm guessing you're about halfway based on what I was seeing that you had and didn't have." And I was like, "That's exactly right. I'm about halfway through." He guessed how far along I am in the process of selling all my CDs by looking through it. That's that's friendship right there. It was pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, I sold all those. That was good. Bumper crop week for, uh, selling on discogs <laughs> and, uh, my run of not getting a lot of vinyl is over. So much vinyl arrived this week. It was pretty embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. A lot of it pre-orders. That's not true. <laughs> Two of them. Is that right? Two, three of them. Three of them were pre-orders. Uh, the Wet Leg album arrived. That was a pre-order. Uh, looks great. Sounds great. Great record. Very excited about it. Spiritualized. Everything is beautiful. That arrived yesterday. I got. <laughs> I bought two copies. I bought the box set version and the standard vinyl version because I'm fucking insane about Spiritualized. Uh, and I I listened to it a lot. You know, they had released three songs in advance, and then so there's about five songs on there that they hadn't released. Side B is perfect. It starts with Mainline Song, which had already been released, and then two songs that hadn't been released. And they're just both so good. And they're like totally the drone freak out, spiritualized. I love Side A is more of the like gospel y and, and, and bluesy. Uh, and it's great too, don't get me wrong. But like, man, Side B is just fucking awesome. That record is great. Uh, my vinyl copy of The Tipping Point by Tears for Fears finally arrived like weeks after the album came out. That was mildly annoying, but it's a great record. Happy to listen to that a bunch. Uh, and then I got a bunch of oh wait then i bought new uh from target so i had to <laughs> sometime in the last two weeks jane did have another fit i forgot to mention when she tried to put on her ramones t-shirt and it didn't fit and she got stuck in it and she was very upset so i was like all right well she needs a new ramones shirt that one was 2t she's like a 5t now four or 5t so i was like i'll get her another one and i googled it and they're selling with target so i put it in the like shopping cart and it's eight dollars and they're like you have to spend $35 to get stuff shipped from Target because they suck. And I was like, all right, well, fine. So I looked through the, t the baby tees and there's a, a Johnny Cash shirt. It's a little bit different than the one she has. And the one she has is getting smaller as well. So I'm like, well, let's kill two birds with one stone. So now I'm up to $16. And I'm like, well, Target's got a lot of like special edition vinyl. Sometimes I'm up here wanting a Target edition. I'll go see what they have. And they had two Lana Del Rey albums I've been meaning to get. The Paradise EP, uh, which came with Born to Die, and then they released it separately, and her poetry album, Violet Bent Backwards Over the Grass. So I got both of those. And then the rest was used stuff off of Discogs, mostly affordable. Bright Back Morning Light, Everybody every day, everybody Daylight 12-inch uh, promo copy. That's the last piece of Bright Back vinyl that I don't have, so that's exciting. Marissa Nadler, The Path of the Clouds, that was new. That was my Vinyl Me Please record of the month. 
the KLF's chill out because I watched the KLF documentary. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and then those people had a lot of cheap stuff I've been looking for. The last Fuchsia album, F-U-X-A, space rock band from Michigan. I was friends with in the 90s. Last one of their pieces of vinyl I did not have called Accretion. An experimental audio research album I didn't have called Millennium Music. I didn't even know about it. I thought I had all the ear albums. That's a Sonic Boom from Spaceman 3 and Spectrum's sort of more electronic experimental outfit. I saw them play a couple times through the years. One time at the Middle East in particular with Kevin Martin from God. It was just like so good. Oh my God, one of the best shows I ever saw. It was a Spectrum ear show. They did a Spectrum set and then an ear set. It was it was amazing. Just phenomenal. Uh, Teardrop Explodes, Wilder. Uh, yeah, I love that record. So I got that. Uh, Psychic TV, Love War, Riot, 12-inch, because they had it for cheap. And then uh, Wolfgang Press, two 12-inch singles, A Girl Like You and Mama Told Me Not to Come, and Fad Gadget's Gag. The Fad Gadget album with their hit, Collapsing New People. And uh, Ricky's Hand and One Man's Meat. It's a great record. My favorite Fad Gadget record is awesome. I love it. And I've owned it on CD forever, but it's sold, and I've been meaning to get this. So found an affordable copy in America. It's hard to find those in America. I don't think that record was released on vinyl in America. You had to buy it on import. Yeah, and then there was Wolfgang Press Records from sort of the queer era, which is when they first went real dancey and they got popular. Um, I love early Wolfgang Press too, but I really love the queer era. I saw that tour and it was just fucking awesome. They opened for the Charlatans at Avalon in Boston. Oh my God, so good. So good. Yeah. All right. What else? I listened to the new Christian Lee Hudson album, Quitters. It's great. It's very mellow. It's bluesy. It's folky. It's awesome. Strong recommend. Uh, Soul Glow, a black punk band from i believe philadelphia with an album called diaspora problems that was just an amazing glorious assault of lyrics and noise the closest thing spiritually to when you first heard rage against the machine 30 years ago but even more hard and even more aggro and political and i fucking love it it's so good (laughs) soul glow g-l-o uh, I listened to the Rosalia album, Moto Mami. That's a great record. That is like a record that comes from the future. If you were watching a movie in 1989 and it was like, this is what the 21st century is going to be like. And they played that Rosalia record. You'd be like, I believe it. It's great. L'Emperatrice, uh, Takutsubo. Don't know much about this. Some friend of mine saw them up in Boston said they were great. Uh, it's really mellow. It's uh, It would go into my W Hotel in a Better World playlists. Kind of smooth, kind of electronica, like sophisticated. I enjoyed it. It was good. Uh, Third Secret. Oh, yeah. Self-titled album, Third Secret. It's by a grunge supergroup. It's like people with like Soundgarden and Temple of the Dog. I don't remember exactly who. Pearl Jam, something like that. It's got a lady singer. Sounds more like a Days of the New kind of thing. It's not grungy. It's like, it's rock with a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of like the acoustic guitar playing metal kind of thing that days of the new did woman singer it was not bad i enjoyed it uh more melodic than grunge though uh kraus i escapes uh shoegaze i can't remember who recommended this to me it might have been bill pierogi awesome record noisy shoegaze fantastic kraus k-r-a-u-s i escapes is the name of the album that was great tom karuna karuna Strange Planet. Oh, yeah. So a friend of mine, old Fairbanks, Alaska childhood friend posted like, give me some new albums, people, and tagged a bunch of us. And he tagged another Alaskan friend of mine, Dan Kleinfeld, who lives up in New York now. And uh, 
he recommended this and it was like pretty cool. It was like a sci-fi trip hop space opera. It was kind of like the streets meets diggable planets meets sci-fi or something like that. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and he also recommended two other ones. Ophage, O-F-E-G-E. The album was called Try and Love. And that was like a world music kind of like dubby thing. And I really enjoyed that. And then Atin Gun, A-T-I-N-G-U-N. And the album was called On. And that was also world music more like in the uh, sort of Senegal's Eastern Africa, Western Africa kind of vibe than dubby. Very much enjoyed that as well. My... Old friend from Fairbanks as well, David Benson, put out uh, on Bandcamp, uh, David Ross Benson, a.k.a. Rhythm Fiction, which was the name of his solo act in the 80s. And he compiled all his early stuff, and it's called Salvage Stereo Cassettes, 1988 to 1994. So this is the stuff he was making back when we were friends, and it's awesome. I mean, we're still friends, but back when we were like hanging out all the time, and it's awesome. And I, I'm 90% sure I took the picture that's on the cover of that, but... uh not 100% sure. I have a copy of it anyway. And it was definitely in my apartment, but I'm not 100% sure I took the picture. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was great. Great record. Uh, Geraldine Fibbers. So I... <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, like sometime over the pandemic, maybe a year ago, uh, Lisa Carver, my friend who edits my books and uh, used to produce a zine called Roller Derby, sent me physical paper copies of all the roller derbies I didn't have. And, uh, as well as a CD R with all of them in PDF form. And when I got it, it was great. I was very happy. I'd read most of it already, but one thing I really loved about it was the ads. I've forgotten that like you could run a zine in the nineties and major, well, not major, major indie or indie record labels, real record labels would buy ads from you and run ads for their cool alternative bands. <laughs> And so I scanned it. Oh, I didn't scan them all, but I used the PDFs, but I screenshotted them all and I made a collection of them and I put it up on Flickr. Uh, and they're great. They're just like a bunch of night. It's real snapshot in time. A lot of nineties and indie rock ads and bands. Um, but you know, I also have the, as you remember, a highly meticulously cataloged sorted photo system and including a folder called scrapbook. That's got all the photos that aren't of people or friends and one of, you know, like, I put things like that in it. And that folder called scrapbook is what is my screensaver on my computer. So my screensaver on all three monitors every day is just like this collection of imagery from my life, not people, but just stuff is, you know, I, my, my thinking at the time was that it would trigger me to do something like remember to listen to an old band or read a book or whatever. And it worked. I walked up to my computer two days ago and there was a big ad for the Geraldine Fibbers from a nineties a edition of roller derby zine. And I was like, Oh my God, I, have, I don't think I've listened to that band since the nineties when I used to see them all the time. And I don't, I didn't like them, but I bet they're good now. And so I went and listened to all three Geraldine Fibber's albums, uh, Butch and uh, Lost Somewhere Between the Earth and My Home. And I don't remember the name of the third one, but all three I listened to. And they're actually really good. The Geraldine Fibber's were really good. People were right. I didn't like them at the time. I was wrong. Geraldine Fibber's, man. And then finally, I listened to about 10 albums, uh, DJ sets by Ben Palmer, aforementioned Ben Palmer. Uh, he's got up on SoundCloud under the name Installer that are his old DJ sets from this club we used to go to in the 90s called ceremony and he would dj at i would dj at with him sometimes and uh they're great and it really took me back and they're way better than i remember and it's awesome and occasionally in the middle of a brilliant set he'll be like coach check is now open coach check is now open because they were live dj sets you know <laughs> uh but they're i strong recommend on the installer series by ben palmer up on soundcloud they're great 
Uh, and that's it for music for this week. TV. So I've been watching Star Trek Picard, and it would be really great if it wasn't Star Trek. It's almost good Trek, but there's problems. Um, and then I was watching Halo, the Paramount Plus adaptation of the video game. Uh, I sucked it up and bought Paramount Plus because whatever, my wife writes these off anyway because she works for three different streaming apps. So, <laughs> so okay, fine. And um, I don't know anything about Halo. I mean, I played it in 2002 for a while at the Barbarian Group with, with some coworkers. So I know who Master Chief is and I know that they involve some aliens called the Covenant. And that's all I know. I know what he looks like with the gold you know, helmet, but like, I know there's like a million halo games and there's probably some giant mythology to it at this point, but I don't know anything about it. Right. And so I'm watching this show and it's like way better than it has any right to be. It's not groundbreakingly new, but it's very solid sci-fi in the sense that it's interesting and it's well acted and well produced. The, the set design production design is a little bit cliched sci-fi, you know, gray quarters with angular walls, but it has to be because it's based on halo. Right. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how is this so good? Why am I enjoying this so much more than Trek? And I'm like, well, it's cause you don't really know any of this mythology, this canon, you know, I did some light Googling and it turns out that a bunch of Halo fans are really annoyed with it because like Master Chief takes his helmet off in the first episode. And apparently, you know, I never knew what he looked like in the game I played. He never took his helmet off. Apparently he does eventually in like the fifth game or something. And they're like, it's too soon, man. And I'm like, okay, cool. So there are like people out there feeling like this about Halo, like I am about Picard, which is like a perfectly good show. And I was like, if this Star Trek Picard was called like Missile Command or something, I think it was amazing. It's a great sci-fi. It's just not Trek. And so even though it's got Trek characters, that's another thing. The only problem with Trek is they don't have any faith in their fans. <laughs> and they like, how they, they just bring back Klingons and Borg all the time because that's what people want. You know what I mean? Of course, we wouldn't have the Borg if they followed those rules back in the next generation era. We'd only have Klingons and they just don't advance anything. And it's like, it's just tedious. But uh, it's not bad, but it's bad. And it at least doesn't violate the biggest problem I have with modern Trek, which is that it's all dark, dark, dark. I mean... This is a pretty dark. It's a it's a lot dark, but it's not like the Federation's dark, which is what they usually do. Like, what if the Federation was corrupt? I'm like, just shut up. That's the whole point of Trek. Is like we got through that shit, you know. And so it doesn't make those problems. It doesn't make those mistakes. But you know, it could be worse. Uh, it's better than Discovery, except for season two of Discovery, which was fucking awesome. Uh, season two of Discovery might have been the best post next generation or best post. 90s Trek, new Trek, right? Because there's some really good Deep Space Nine, too. Yeah, anyway, Halo, shockingly good, man. Uh, let's see. And then Saturday Night Live, I've been watching. Uh, the Lizzo one was the best one in ages. The one before that, I was like, eh, I could take her leave. And it was so funny because Lizzo was in almost every sketch and she could not keep it together. She always kept almost cracking up, but it kind of worked in the sketches. Cause like, you'd be like, well, if Lizzo isn't that sketch. She'd be like, this is absurd. And she'd be kind of laughing. So even though she's not playing herself, it just sort of worked, you know? And then like her mom was there. She introduced herself once her mom introduced her. It was great. It was great. It was awesome. Uh, and then we're watching, we just finished last night, the morning show, which really just descended into chaos by the end, uh, <laughs> in a good way. I think it's just batshit. Um, an old friend of mine, Ali Vingiano, who was the 
manager of Secret Clubhouse and also planned my wedding. And she's great. She's the work of BuzzFeed. She is one of the lead writers on it. She's the executive story editor. And so, you know, that's what made me watch this show that I would not normally watch because it takes place in modern Earth and not in space. Uh, but it's really great. And I mean, Jennifer Aniston is just an amazing actress. I didn't, I, it, I mean, I watched Friends back in the day. I don't think I've seen her in anything since. <laughs> it's probably not true, but I'm not going to go look it up. But man, she's so good. And Billy Crudup is really good. The acting's amazing. The writing's just like gloriously insane plot twists. Like that never makes me feel like I'm getting soap opera y. Like that's one thing I really hate is soap opera ness, you know? But it's not soap opera It's just, chaotic it's chaos and I, I like that about it a lot it's it's good it's a good time uh and then we're watching moon Knight, which i have not been enjoying at all and i really didn't like and it's sending me into this sort of like cranky spiral about like the mcu and how they're abusing our trust and blah 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 and it should be good why isn't it good and like you know something like split is already out there which handled dissociative identity disorder in a much more compelling way they're both not super accurate, but at least that one was compelling. And this isn't accurate nor compelling. And it's like, I don't know. I just wasn't really into it. But then in the last episode, it took a really crazy twist that has got me interested again. It's just like that. I'm like, this is so boring. I'm like looking at my phone. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what? what? And then I got really into it again. So we'll see which path it takes going forward. Uh, is that it for shows? Oh, and then we're watching Wellington Paranormal. I think I mentioned this. The X-Files spoof with the Wellington PD spinoff from What We Do in the Shadows, produced by Jermaine Clement from, uh, what were they called? <laughs> Flight of the Concords. It's great. It's very enjoyable. They're 20 minutes, uh, and it's really a nice way to cap off an evening of turgid television before you go to bed. So, yeah, strong recommend. Uh, movies, I watched the KLF documentary, Who Killed the KLF, which was very good. Um, if you don't know anything about the KLF, it's a great introduction, easier than reading the copious amounts of words that are out there in the world about them. And if you are a KLF aficionado, it has some great footage you probably haven't seen. And it has audio from Jimmy Cotti talking about the whole history of the KLF. I don't know where they got it, but they're like never released audio that is really good and very compelling. It does a lot of recreations, which is a thing I normally don't like in documentaries, but they do them so well. I'm kind of really into their recreations. <laughs> I would just watch the recreations in this. Uh, and then I really like love Jimmy Cotti's hand knit KLF sweater. And I have a friend that's going to make me one. And I'm very excited about that. And then I watched the Batman finally, cause it came out on HBO and I wasn't feeling compelled enough to go risk my life in a movie theater for it. And I figured I could wait and I could wait. Um, Robert Pattinson is very good. The art direction is very good. The cinematography is very good. The acting is uniformly excellent. The whole thing is a giant bummer and it's way too fucking long. And I don't like police fucking thin blue line revenge fantasies. My friend Yale said on, <laughs> on a Facebook comment, he's like, I predict the Batman logo next to the Punisher logo on cop cars before too long. And it's like, so true. Even like at one point talks about he's going to go pound on looters or something. I'm just like, God, this is so dumb. And then it's like too many villains. It's too complex. And I don't like love watching movies that are like procedurals on how terrorists come up with brilliant plans to terrorize us. I'm sorry. It's just not compelling or fun for me. So all that part sucked. I wish they'd just make a campy Batman again. It makes me dislike Batman, but... You know, like, I guess these people all, like, the, the artisans behind it, the the, the the set designers, the actors, the editors, cinematographers, art directors, like, 
I don't really care that this is the third or fourth Batman and I can't make any sense. Like, and I like the fact that they just sort of like, they're like, you know, the drill here, people he's tortured because his parents died and they don't revisit that. That's nice. Like, they're just like a bunch of people wanted to make their version of a Batman movie. And that's cool with me. I'm fine with that. Like have 10 Batman movies. If we keep making more Batman movies, eventually somebody will make a fun, gay, campy Batman movie again, which would be awesome. And they could put Robert Pattinson in that too. That would be just great with me books uh you know what hold on a second hmm, a lot of books listed here i guess i read a lot in the last two weeks uh allow me to retort black guy's guide to the constitution by ellie Mistal. we talked about that last episode it's a great book i finished it very cathartic creed occur hilarious fun good educational uh, overview of how we how the courts have shaped their interpretation of the constitution why they're wrong where they could have gone different ways uh enjoyed it uh, the, the Hours Before Dusk is an advanced book by my friend Jenna Matecki. She sent it to me to read. I can't talk too much about it yet, but it was great. It'll be out in a month or so. Strong recommend. Travel related. Wonderful. Run Towards the Danger by Sarah Polly. It's a collection of essays, but it doesn't read like it. It reads pretty much like an autobiography. Very solid. A lot of intense stuff. Made me really impre- impressed with Sarah Polly. Answered a lot of questions about what became of her since like all those movies. And she was an it girl in the 90s. And I would watch all her films. How Hartley films go. Uh, all sorts of things that she was in. Uh, Adam McGoyan films. Oh my God. Sweet Hereafter. What an amazing film. Exotica. I didn't know she was a childhood actress. I didn't know she was famous in Canada as a kid. I didn't know she was the little girl in The Adventures of Baron Von Munchausen, even though I loved that film as a kid. I had no idea. I never knew where Sarah Polly came from. So, you know, it was a great book. Uh, Harrowing topics in there. You know, sexual abuse, physical abuse, uh, trauma, health issues, just all sorts of crazy stuff. But generally pretty uplifting despite all of that. And uh, strong recommend Sarah Polly's book. Sarah Polly seems awesome. I do very much wonder what I didn't know she was in. Like she's in films by Vim Vendors, Adam McGoyan, Hal Hartley. She's just so many famous directors. And she doesn't really talk about any of them except uh, Terry Gilliam because he was awful to her. So I guess that means I could just safely assume all my other director heroes are nice people. <laughs> That's what I'm going to take away from it. Uh, and now I'm reading The Bond King, How One Man Had a, Made a Market, Built an Empire, and Lost It All by Mary Childs. It's a book about Bill Gross and the history of PIMCO. It is uh, pretty compelling. Uh, it's told a little bit out of order and it's a little bit confusing. And I wish it spent a little bit more time talking about Bond mechanics and especially trading Bond mechanics. I get it. But I like... I like to have a little bit of overview of that. It, it, it doesn't seem like it's actually that central to the book, right? She's like, there's a thing called bonds. Turns out you can trade them. That's what they did. They made lock up some money. Let me tell you the story about the company, but I would like a little bit more info about the market and stuff like that. Maybe it's coming later. I'm only like a third of the way through it, but I'm enjoying it so far. It's a pretty good book. All right, well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for letting me rant and rave to you guys. I feel a lot better. I guess I just needed that little bit of an outlet. Maybe if you're even out, not out there and you don't exist, this podcast still has utility. But you are out there, and it means a lot to me. Drop a line. Tell me you said hi. I'll say hi back. Let's have a nice chat. Take care. Talk soon. <laughs>